0: Today's Better Call Saul feedback show is sponsored by TrueCar. When you're looking to buy a car, you wanna make sure you're getting the real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, this isn't the case. People configure a car online. Only to find out that that car is not available. But with True Car, you get real pricing on actual inventory, not just pricing offered by True Car. Pricing offered from the actual dealer, and not just any dealer. A True Car certified dealer, which I can assure you, that guy that Mike was at the junkyard with, he was not a True Car certified dealer. I can assure you of that. There is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency, offering you a competitive market price. Because with True Car, you can easily find the car that you want, and then True Car will. We'll show you what other people in your area Are paying for the same car you're looking at And then you'll know what a fair price is So you too can feel confident Over 3 million cars have been sold To True Car users By the True Car Certified Dealer Network With over 13,000 True Car Certified Dealers Nationwide You can work directly With a True Car Certified Dealer contact And True Car users are more likely To enjoy a faster buying experience When they connect with True Car Certified Dealers Saving an average of over $3,000 off of MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. The Better Call Saul season three premiere is still over, but we're just getting started taking your feedback questions here on our Better Call Saul feedback show. And now here are the two guys recharged with fresh batteries. I'm Rob
1: Sesterner. Here's Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? Great, Rob. Low bat is no more. We're we're ready to roll. We're ready to track through the comments and feedback that we got about the premiere episode of Better Call Saul. So I couldn't be more excited to be here.
0: Okay, some great questions from you guys, and a lot of nice feedback about our premiere recap, Antonio. Especially lots of Antonio praise.
1: Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I, I put a lot of effort in. Actually, I rewatched for whatever reason. I went back like a madman and rewatched everything. You went back to Listened Mad to Men our old podcast? No, no, I didn't go back to Mad Men. That would be a whole different thing. Roll AMC show yeah interesting proposition maybe I'll do low winter sun next Rob should I go for that (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's do that (laughs) <laughs> First time Low Winter Sun's been mentioned by anyone in several years. But yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm very thankful for all that. I, I really, it, it, I immersed myself in the world of Better Call Saul. So I'm glad to see there was some benefit to that.
0: Okay. And thanks to everybody who has subscribed to our Better Call Saul podcast on iTunes. And if you really liked our season premiere recap, the best thing in the world you could do is go on iTunes and leave us some feedback and even a comment if you're so inclined Honest star ratings only. Over on iTunes, go to postshowrecaps.com dot com slash bcs itunes post show recaps.com slash bcs itunes uh, for that we greatly appreciate it
1: very much so the subscriptions and the comments help us move up the charts there and in doing so more people get eyes in the podcast we get more feedback it's a continuous loop so we'd love uh if you are so inclined to go to itunes subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review and, and comment there
0: okay antonio you and i last talked about better call Saul, but like 36 hours ago have you had any new better call Saul thoughts since that time.
1: Sure, plenty. And a lot of them were generated by the feedback that we got or the comments that were left at postshowrecaps.com on the episode page for this uh, for this episode. So very thankful for the ongoing conversation and we'll uh, we'll jump into those throughout this episode. As far as overarching thoughts, larger thoughts, I am interested if people are not watching this week to week, how this will play later because this was a, a bit of a slow burn in this first episode like we talked about. But I have a feeling if you watch this in combination with the second and third episodes, it's going to be just a great, like a almost like a movie. And in that regard, I think it's going to be a real payoff. So this is a show that is cognizant of the fact that people watch on binges. Breaking Bad, in part, was made popular. One of the first shows, I think to really grow its audience because of availability on Netflix while it was still airing. So I wonder if Better Call Saul is ever going to make it to that point, or if people are are, are, are happy just to catch up with this one on a binge season over season.
0: I do wonder if maybe this first two episodes were designed as sort of like maybe like a back-to-back night uh, like we had with the original Better Call Saul premiere, because even though I enjoyed... All of the character development that went on here in this first night. Overall, we didn't get a lot of action going on here in uh, night one of Better Call Saul
1: Season 3. No, we didn't. And I, I know that there are people that are frustrated with that. And not that
0: this is an action show necessarily outside of Mike, but we didn't really get anything paid off here in the first episode of season three.
1: No, and we certainly got questions about that, which we'll get to. But I think you point out that Mike is the action-oriented part of the show. And w- what Mike was doing in this episode was almost dialog caper that we didn't really know what it was until the end of the episode and even that confused uh, I think a lot of the audience so wasn't the most rewarding fast-paced Mike storyline in this episode either and I think that's why I'm curious I think your observation is solid like would if we watch episode two in conjunction with episode one is it going to present a much more rewarding experience altogether and I think the answer to that is probably yes
0: Antonio this morning I got a chance to watch Talking Saul on our Walking Dead feed back show. I often will uh, talk with Josh about my takes on the Talking Dead every single week.
1: Oh, boy. How thrilling for you that you got to watch Talking Saul. You must have felt like Jonathan Banks looked like during that entire episode of Talking (laughs) Saul.
0: Yeah, I did think that Talking Saul was pretty fun. You know, it's always a thrill when they break out the four-person couch. Uh, It's always a little (laughs) bit of a letdown when they get out the two-person love seat. Five people gets tricky. They need to make like two people sit behind the couch. But uh, four people on the couch. I did think that... uh, Who was the other producer that was there with Vince Gilligan? That was Peter Gold, wasn't it? I thought that he didn't really bring much to the table. I thought that you probably could have got by with just Vince. Thanks and Kim
1: yeah, it, uh, the interesting dichotomy of the Better Call Saul creative team is Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan in that Peter Gould was the writer credited with the original episode where Saul Goodman was created, Season 2, Episode 7, Better Call Saul. And as a result, when uh, Better Call Saul was spun off, Peter Gould was given the, the EP role, was given the role of running the show. At some point during the development of Better Call Saul, a decision was made to bring Vince Gilligan on board full-time. They got an automatic renewal of a second season at that point. They had maybe three or four episodes uh, written or broken down at that point. So Vince Gilligan came into the picture then and I don't know what their their relationship is like. I don't know who is driving the car if it's a co-driving thing, but I think in these these moments when the two of them are in the same place, you do see a lot more Vince running the show, bossing it around. And it, Vince directed the first two episodes of this season, so I think that's a big part of it too. Is He just has a lot more to say about these episodes because not only was he in the room, overseeing the story, but he directed the episode. So he had a, a lot bigger role.
0: But overall, Vince Gilligan is funny. Jonathan Banks is funny. So I thought that I, I enjoyed the talking. saw. I mean, compared to some of the episodes of Talking Dead that we get, If there's not people on the couch that are funny, it can be tough sledding, Antonio.
1: Well, and we didn't go to the route of, oh, we're going to have a celebrity who's a fan of the show come on and talk about the No, I like that.
0: Well, it depends who it is. If it's somebody who's a comedian, it can be good. If it's somebody who is sort of humorless about it, then uh, that is not good. But I don't think we've done that yet with Talking Saul. We have Because there have been so few of those episodes.
1: Right. And I don't know that we're going to get another one probably until the finale. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this is a, it's just an interesting enterprise to begin with and there's some valuable information there there's also the insider podcast that the editor kelly dixon does where they record those months ago they're recording that one basically probably they were shooting episode six or seven or eight of the season while they were recording the podcast regarding episode one they had much the same breakdown they had jonathan banks they didn't have ray Sehorn, but they or sehorn but they did have uh they did have jonathan banks they did have peter gold they did have vince gilligan and they had some other people who were loosely involved in the production of the show or have been in the past and They usually talk about backstage production details on that podcast. They talk about how they set up specific shots, how long certain things took them, what some of the technical challenges were, uh, what some of the plans were that went awry. They don't spoil, at least in this particular episode, a lot of storyline details or even tip off a lot of where they're going. So that's interesting if you're really interested in the behind the scenes of the production of the show, which I think we all would agree, the pacing or not, the storytelling or not, the way the show looks is gorgeous. Some of the things they do are unlike other shows on television, and they've really carried on the lineage from Breaking Bad in the way they make Better Call Saul. So it's really fun from that perspective.
0: Antonio, you want to dive into some of the feedback questions that we got after episode one? Of course. Where do you want to start?
1: It seems like a lot of people wanted to talk about something, Rob, that was not actually present on this episode of Better Call Saul, at least specifically. There is this, I don't know if you want to call it a sort of Damocles, or there's this four boating sense that something is coming to this show. I don't know. Maybe it was tipped off by the episode titles last year. Uh, but yeah, we know that Gus Fring, one of the big time characters from Breaking Bad, is going to be a part of the Better Call Saul universe this year. Vince Gilligan called it Hollywood's worst kept secret. Hollywood's. It's his fault, Vince Gilligan. It's his fault that it's Hollywood's worst kept secret. So he could complain all he wants. But yeah. but yeah, that is a thing where Gus Fring was featured heavily in the promotional materials for this show, for this season of this show. Uh, AMC built a Los Pollos Hermanos chicken restaurant, Rob, in Manhattan. Did you see this? I didn't know
0: where it was. I remember sort of like reading a headline that they had built one. Yeah,
1: so they are very heavily promoting Gus Fring, a uh, character from the Breaking Bad universe, in as, as entering into this season of Better Call Saul, and yet we did not see Gus Fring on this episode of the show. We had our first question then from Jonathan, at Jonathan with an H on Twitter, and Jonathan asked... How do you guys feel about all the Gus Fring advertising going into the season and not getting him in episode one? Rob, is this a bait and switch?
0: I don't think it was a bait and switch. I mean, it would have been great if you could have had him in the first episode. In the coming attractions for next week's episode, he is there, which sort of makes me feel like was this intended to be aired over two nights where then you get him by at least by the end of the second night. I mean, it's a first world problem. I'm sure that we will be very excited when he is back in the mix, but I think a lot of people did tune into season three. And I don't know if people necessarily watched season three without watching seasons one and two to jump in to see Gus Fring and then were
1: unfulfilled. That's the part I would be concerned about. And that's why I asked about the bait and switch is that do you have anybody who's tuning in saying, oh, my gosh, they're going to bring Gus Fring into Better Call Saul and then he doesn't show up. And instead of seeing Gus Fring, what you see is I don't know, let's say 20 minutes of wordless screen time of Mike Ermintrout breaking down a car like in the French Connection and looking for a bug and then another five or ten minutes of him running some kind of caper with that bug. No Gus Fring in sight. I do think it, it seems, and we talked about this on our podcast breakdown, the recap of the premiere, it does seem like this road is going to lead to Gus Fring. It's just a matter of how exactly will it lead to Gus Fring. Is Mike going to get the drop? On Gus Frang and end up identifying him? Or is Mike going to end up in a position where Gus wanted him to end up all along? Somehow in the woods a little bit, and Gus is still able to observe him from afar. Was this a test for Mike, is what I'm wondering about, Rob. Was Gus Frang, a character we know from Breaking Bad, to be the kind of guy who is incredibly meticulous, incredibly detail oriented? Was he testing Mike's ability to find out who was tracking him?
0: That's a very good question. I don't know necessarily if he's trying to make Mike jump through hoops before he meets him or if he just becomes impressed at the hoops that Mike jumped through and said, hey, you should be working for me.
1: Well, I asked that question because we had another question from KX, who says, I agree completely that Better Call Saul is essentially two shows in one, the Jimmy Kim Chuck show and the Mike show. To me, the Jimmy Kim Chuck show is more compelling because there are complicated relationships to explore in Jimmy and Kim and Jimmy and Chuck. My favorite part of Breaking Bad was the Walt and Jesse dynamic, and I feel like Mike is missing a main character to play off of. Does any of this make sense? I think Gus would be a great character for that purpose. Do you agree? Do you think we're going to get a Gus and Mike relationship that replicates these relationships that we're seeing both in Better Call Saul and we saw in Breaking Bad? These great character breakdowns between the two people where there's a lot going on. Is that the role you see Gus playing in the story? Playing the foil for Mike or playing this person for Mike to play off of?
0: I really don't. I don't think that Gus is the type of character who's Going to clash with Mike. If anything, they're kind of similar in that they sort of like go about their business very professionally. There's no sort of wasted energy. Whereas these other pairings that we're talking about, Jesse and Walter White, where that they're at odds over everything from you know the methods to style to you know where they are at different points in their life, that they are opposites, and that's what makes them interesting. And even looking at Jimmy and Chuck, it's the same sort of thing where Jimmy is slipping Jimmy and Chuck is all buttoned up and proper and wants things to be a certain way and they have conflict over that. I don't see a lot of conflict between Mike and Gus in terms of the way they approach things.
1: Yeah, and that's the interesting part about how what this caper was about. If Mike gets the drop on Gus without Gus expecting it, that could generate conflict. If this was to test Mike's ability to actually find the tracking device and to get the drop on someone and Gus is smart enough to see ahead that he might figure this out and I better put myself in a position where I'm separate, then they're at arm's length and maybe there is a little more conflict there. Gus is Sure, if he should be threatened by this guy or not. Yeah, the writers have talked a lot about the difficulties of writing Better Call Saul, and one of the difficult things is that they would love to have Jimmy and Mike together all the time. They think that there is conflict between the two of those guys in terms of Jimmy being a little bit irresponsible and being a little bit all over the map, and Mike being very methodical and not irresponsible, and that the combination of the two of them is is lightning. It, it is just fantastic. The problem problem with that is if you put the two of them side by side essentially as partners, then you get into a position where, for example, in breaking bad. Jimmy did not say that he knew who Gus was. He actually described him as, I know a guy who knows a guy. I've never even met the guy. And so if Jimmy and Mike are lockstep all the time, how do you write A Better Call Saul where Jimmy doesn't meet Gus Fring? And that's a difficult thing for them. They said the same thing about Breaking Bad. When they're writing Breaking Bad, especially in season two, where Jesse's off on his own, doing his own thing, he's away from Walt, All they wanted to do was bring Jesse and Walt back together and to have them in the same scenes, but it didn't make sense for where the story was at that point. So they think about these things as they're writing the show, and they have difficult things that they have to do because they can't break the rules of the Breaking Bad universe that they already set since this is a prequel. So I don't think you can take Jimmy and Mike so far that Jimmy should know everything that Mike knows because we know that that's not true. So I do think Mike is going to be off on his own with this Gus stuff, and there is an opportunity to pair him off with Gus or people who are related or surrounding Gus who could generate conflict for Mike through that. So I do think we're going to see a lot more pairings for Mike that that are generated from this world uh, and not from the Jimmy side of it.
0: And it's also possible that Jimmy could meet Gus, but just is saying to Walter White, for whatever reason, I don't even know the guy.
1: It's possible. That is something where it's not clear how much they're going to use that as their cover. We had Jimmy, for example, in the Breaking Bad universe as Saul, saying that he had two ex-wives and that his second ex-wife slept with his stepdad. Well, first of all, we don't even know Jimmy's stepdad in, in the Better Call Saul universe. We certainly don't know about either of Jimmy's wives, although we get the inclination that one of them was back in cicero and how does kim fit into that picture if at all or was that just puffery was he telling walter white a lie uh, and we don't know so there is a lot of that uh, jimmy mcgill is uh, the kind of guy that's a little slippery and plays fast and loose with the truth so yeah maybe he wasn't telling walter white the truth in that moment i'm just not sure if they're going to use that as an excuse or a cop out. that's hard to show on screen that that was the case
0: yeah. Very interesting to see what is true and what is false about Saul Goodman once we get to see when his character shows up in uh, Breaking Bad.
1: Well, and I think that we had a lot of questions that are germane to that. We have a lot of people wondering, ultimately, what's going to happen with the BCS timeline vis-a-vis the, uh, the Breaking Bad timeline. And did you have a voicemail about that, Rob?
0: Yeah. This is a message that was sent to us by Jason talking about the Better Call Saul timeline. Hey guys, Jason from Calgary. Just a question about Better Call Saul. I think that this season will be the last leading up to Breaking Bad. Then they'll do a season four, maybe during Breaking Bad. What happened with Saul? Maybe all these people are still around that we didn't see during Breaking Bad. Then maybe even go farther to one more season where we go into the future. Where it's Gene.
1: Better Call Gene. Gene. You guys think.
0: Antonio, I do think that this is a fascinating thing to think about where we have other prequel type stories that have more of like a natural ending, where like Anakin Skywalker getting into the Darth Vader suit, he has had a physical transformation, of course, in addition to one where he has gone full vader in terms of his heel turn whereas jimmy is going to have a slower progression i guess i just always assumed that this show was going to end when we get to what the start of breaking bad is but it feels like if it's just like Jimmy going to a day of work at his law office or or Saul going to a day of work at his office, just feels like a weird place to organically end a series.
1: It does. And the, the problem with the question from Jason about being one season is that when you talk about the Vader heel turn, there is a lot of heel turn for Jimmy in terms of He's the kind of guy who's getting, shall we say, special massages at his place of employment to completion, as he puts it. He's suggesting that people be murdered, and he's suggesting that that's a normal thing that should happen. He, his law practice is very bottom-feeding. He is a criminal lawyer. And you have Kim in his life right now. I don't see how any of that happens in the context of one season of this show, especially not with the storytelling on this show, which is reveling in the relationships between these people and which is not rushing to the finish line in any way, which is following, I think, the natural arcs of these stories instead of being very methodically pacing them out so that they're going to break at the right time. I think they're just telling them as they see fit in the moment. And I don't know how you get Jimmy to that point where he is in Breaking Bad in the context of this season of Better Call Saul. I know that you can get him there by the end of Better Call Saul, but I'm not sure in one season how you turn him that much of a heel. Some big things are going to have to happen. The other parts of the question concern what the roles of Jimmy uh, and Kim and Chuck are in the Breaking Bad timeline. We never saw Chuck. We never saw Kim. We never even heard about either of them in the Breaking Bad timeline. So the question would be, where do they come into the, the show at all? Are they still around? And what is the case there? And that is a question that the writers are talking about a lot as they evaluate this season of Breaking Bad. They did a great interview with I believe it was Daniel Feinberg at The Hollywood Reporter. And my apologies if I'm misrepresenting who the person involved was, I do think it was with the Hollywood Reporter, where they broke down a lot of what they were thinking about with this season, and they talked about that. That Ray Sayhorn believes Kim could be alive. You know, would you tell Walter White uh, about your girlfriend or your wife? Would that be somebody that you would bring into the circle of trust of your personal life? And their writers' view is the the guy that Jimmy is at that point, Kim's not in his life. If she were, he wouldn't be the skis, the slime ball that he is. So. I think that it's very difficult. I do think that there's an interesting thought there by Jason that we could see seasons of this show that take place after the Breaking Bad timeline. we were getting one scene at a time per season, Rob. But I feel like... This particular scene, we may be crossing a little bit of a, a Rubicon in that, not the AMC show Rubicon. Yeah, <laughs> the other one that nobody's ever talked about in the last four years. We should go back and do a, a podcast about Rubicon, Rob. I think people would love it. It'd be a really <laughs> exciting, uh, I loved Rubicon. I'm not insulting it, but man, that show was glacially slow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the problem is when you talk about slowness of story, it's easy enough to put Gene in a dumpster room and have him be so imprisoned that he can't call the police to get out. Because he doesn't want to be on anyone's radar. It's easy enough to have Gene looking over his shoulder and worrying that a menacing looking customer in Cinnabon is actually someone out to kill him. Once you have him passing out from what could be a panic attack in the Cinnabon and perhaps getting medical authorities involved you're getting into a position where it's a lot harder for him to continue to hide as Gene. And I think we reach a little bit of a breaking point with him boiling over there in the mall. So I do think that they're taking that story to a point where they may take off running with more Gene stuff. And I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated. This show could be four or five seasons of what we're watching now. And then one or two seasons of black and white breaking bad sequel, if you will, or let's say epilogue, uh, just something that happened after the show. And We definitely have questions about that. People want to see that. W.E.D. 68 said could they give us a glimpse into the consequences of post season five breaking bad? Am I the only one who's dying to catch a possible sighting of Jesse or any of the other survivors of that show? My question for you, Rob is, do you think the show needs a defined ending point before they go full in on that? Or do you think the show's just going to do that when they feel the time is right?
0: Well, I wonder maybe if we eventually do get more of that in a final season, a la lost. And hopefully this is a, uh, Not much of a spoiler for anybody who hasn't watched that, but in terms of like a flash sideways type season where we get a bunch of things going on in the final season of Better Call Saul, but also, you know, uh, we might get like 10, 15 minutes in an episode of the flash forward to Gene stuff as well.
1: That could be. That could be. We we have talked a lot on this podcast, and you mentioned, I think, brilliantly, the Kansas City Royals lunchbox that Gene had and how that was a shirt that Kim had worn in the last season of Better Call Saul and how we associate both that color and that team iconography with Kim. And is, therefore, Jimmy carrying a torch for Kim? Is it Is it a situation where we could see Kim coming back into the Jimmy story? Maybe she left Jimmy at some point in the timeline of Better Call Saul. Maybe she's just gone. She's not dead. She isn't off the map entirely, but she's out of his life completely. And at Mm -hmm. some point, she comes back into the Gene story. And rather than wrapping up storylines from Breaking Bad in the Gene timeline, rather than seeing Jesse and what he's up to or anything like that, what we actually do in the Gene timeline is we bring Kim back into that story and we bring them back together and maybe he has a terrible life but he's got Kim and that's enough. Right.
0: And what I really do like about that, and and I do think that that is ultimately where this goes, where he becomes so horrible that he loses her. She runs away, becomes full Saul Goodman. But in that story, in the Gene timeline, we do have an opportunity for the redemption of Saul Goodman, where he can go and find Kim and in some way try to make things right. And there is that opportunity for a happy ending, even though though I sense it might not work out so seamlessly I don't think that this is that kind of show uh, considering you know where the ride ends up in Breaking Bad I don't know necessarily if a happy ending is what we should be looking forward to from this Gene timeline but I think that would be a really interesting way to sort of go with a complete 360 from Jimmy McGill to Saul Goodman to Gene and then have Gene and up with sort of redeeming everything that Saul Goodman did.
1: There is a possibility for that and I think that's probably better than, than making like a season of Better Call Saul, the finale season. Because what
0: are we going to do? Why does Jesse Pinkman need to go find Saul Goodman?
1: No, it doesn't make a ton of sense. You could foresee a scenario where maybe he sees on TV a report about Jesse Pinkman being caught and or missing or something to that effect. And then what's he going to do? Nothing.
0: Go break him out of jail? Yeah, I mean no. th- yeah. this is not who I mean it, like oh I, I need to go back and represent, uh, have a a trial for Jesse Pinkman. Oh, wait, I'm also, uh, you know, on some FBI watch list. Right. So I don't know how that's going to work out. Just going back to our voicemail question, just in terms of the timeline. One of the interesting things that I was also thinking about was, you know, I always assumed that Better Call Saul would end before we got to the events of Breaking Bad, but we don't see Jimmy until, what, 11 episodes into season two, if I have that right? Somewhere in there. I can't remember. I don't remember when we have our first appearance of Mike. I'm not sure if that's also in that same episode or it's not until season three that we get Mike. Is it possible that these two shows' timelines intersect where we are in the last season or two of Better Call Saul? And we are already in the Walter White is working with Jesse Pinkman.
1: Yeah, Better Call Saul is season two, episode eight. Uh so we both did not have the number completely <laughs> nailed down there. But we're in the ballpark. Yeah, we're in that yeah. we're in that ballpark. It's uh it's midway through season two. And yeah, you're right. There things are already Jesse is the one who brings Walt in. They bring him into the, the Saul Goodman timeline because they need a criminal lawyer. They need somebody to help them with their burgeoning energy enterprise and they need somebody to to help them deal with the things that are happening. And I think that in part, uh, this is powered by the fact that this is the episode where Badger is at a bus yes. stop and we have all the incidents there uh, and everything that plays out. So we need to bring a lawyer into the story. But the, the Saul Goodman character is not in a ton of Breaking Bad. I mean, he's in; he is a, a huge presence in the show. But as far as screen time, he's not a huge character. Similarly, Mike becomes a huge character uh, at, after a certain point because of what happens with the story of Breaking Bad. But he's not a huge character from the jump. This just seems like one thing of many that these guys are dealing with. And Jimmy is familiar with things like how to make someone disappear and get them a new identity. It sure seems like it's something that he's done before. So, yeah, there are some issues there for getting to that timeline and for getting us to the point where we end up in that series. And I don't know that we're ever going to walk right into that with Better Call Saul. It's entirely possible that we will. But I feel like we might see a time jump at some point.
0: I think that... it would be pretty interesting to start to have like maybe we're overhearing about some of the events going on from the like first season of Breaking Bad they could be all taking place at the same time but I don't think that we're going to ever get to where we see Jimmy is then uh, oh I've got a meeting with Walter White and Jesse Pinkman uh, I don't think we're ever getting that far but it might be interesting if we were sort of like right butting up against when they come into his life.
1: No and if you'll recall there's a moment in Breaking and bad where uh, he's being very threatened, Saul Goodman, and he's saying, Who sent you? Was it Ignacio? And uh, the idea is that that might be Nacho from this timeline. And so we know that there are some things, there is some connective tissue there, and there are ways to e- easily break the story that y- you've got a lot going on in Saul Goodman's life related to the timeline that we're pursuing through Better Call Saul. That is still happening or that is still relevant to where he is when when Breaking Bad starts. So there is some connective tissue there where you could see it happening. I mean, we've got Jimmy and Mike. We know Kaylee Ermintrout is not that old, Rob. So we're mm-hmm. going to get there at after a certain point. The question is how much do we involve Walter and Jesse in this actual story in Better Call Saul? And how much do we have this be like an alternate timeline where we see Saul Goodman's home life at the time that we meet him in breaking bad which is something we never see and where are we going to see elements of that i think that's entirely possible uh, it would be interesting i think there are ways to make this where it could be an alternate perspective on the events of breaking bad like you say first you hear about these things that are happening then you're part of the story but you have other things going on you have other people that you're helping you're not a one client lawyer so it could be part of this story but not the whole story it's th- there's a lot of work they have to do this is not an easy task i mean i know they signed up for it, but it's not easy.
0: Right. Like there are like two lives of Tony Soprano, one of his work life and one of his family life. Either one of them could have been a show. The Sopranos covered both. But theoretically, you could have seen only Tony Soprano at work or any of us, I guess. And then to have a totally different person uh, in their home life.
1: Right. That could easily be the, the way that we go with this. And this is the home life <laughs> version of the show. I don't think that
0: that's where we're going to go with it, but it would be interesting. Like, we don't know necessarily. Like, does uh, Saul Goodman go home and he's like roommates with Chuck during Breaking Bad? Doubtful, but I guess it's on the table.
1: I think a lot's on the table. <laughs> he has a nicer car in Breaking Bad, but a, a much junkier office and a certainly a much <laughs> filthier <laughs> reputation and a completely different name, Rob. So, yeah, we have a lot to do. Uh, we have a lot to do. And as the writers point out, there are certain guideposts that they use. If Kim is his true north and she inspires him to do well and try to be a good person, then the person that he is in Breaking Bad, there, there's not a Kim in his life at that point. There are things like that that they can look at and, and help guide their writing. But as far as the rest, you're right. Chuck could still be in that story. Like There could be elements of his home life that are very similar to what we're seeing in this show. Uh, he could be living in the back of the nail salon, for all we know, Rob.
0: I want to ask you one other thing about the timeline of this show. Now, Breaking Bad was 62 episodes, and the timeline of that show is pretty tight. It's like, how many months go by in the course of all of Breaking Bad? Is it like
1: two years? Something to that effect, yeah, because you've got a little bit of a time jump with the New Hampshire events, and we don't cover a lot of time. We we have other time jumps where we skip ahead and we have montages and things like that, but the whole thing is less than three years.
0: And this was something that Vince Gilligan was talking about on Talking Saul about how they really had no time jumps, and both of the seasons sort of just picked up from the moment that they left off from. So we really have not moved very far in terms of... Is it like six months even from the beginning of the events of Better Call Saul?
1: It seems like it's not, it's not a very long time, right? It's probably at most, it's six to nine, like nine months, maybe at most. Uh, you've got not a very long time. And I, I think Breaking Bad tracked its time with the bacon in the breakfast, uh, when mm-hmm. we saw the 50th birthday in the pilot. And then we saw essentially the, the flash ahead is the 52nd birthday. So you've got all of your 50, all of your 51, and into your 52. So into a three, a third year of the timeline. I don't know that we're tracking time anyway. On Better Call Saul, but if you're tracking it at all, I don't think it's that long of a time period. I think you're you're talking about a matter of months right now, uh, and not a matter of years. And that's the uh, that's the the really interesting thing is if you're in, let's say, still in 2002 uh, or maybe in 2003 uh, into Better Call Saul, and Breaking Bad starts in 2008, you still have five years to fill in there. So at some point, you feel like a time jump is going to have to happen. In Better Call Saul, unless they really pick up the speed of the storytelling. Uh, And we have more of a Mad Men like once a month kind of episode, which is not the way the show operates. So at some point you have to foresee some kind of time jump.
0: And the other thing with this is I don't see this show being on some sort of Walking Dead type, endless, uh, let's do 15 seasons of this. To me, I feel like with all the people that are involved, I, I don't see this show going longer than five, or six seasons, do you?
1: No, and I think The Walking Dead can always kill somebody if they feel like that person wants off the show or they don't want to be involved in this endless slog. They can, they can kill them, and that's an easy mechanism. Certainly, this show could do that, but as far as the main characters go, you can't really kill them. You could kill Chuck, or you can kill Kim, or you can kill Howard. You can't kill Jimmy or Mike. The other element of that, of course, is the ratings, and hopefully they'd be able to make Better Call Saul as long as they wanted. But there are questions, and there have been questions dogging the show after a certain point uh, about the ratings Uh, Right now, this show came back to 1.8 million viewers with a .7 in the demo, even if that gets adjusted up, the the best of last season was 1.0 in the demo and somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.5 or 2.6 million viewers. So you're well off the best of last season. When last season ended, we were at .85 in the demo and 2.2 million viewers. So they're not bleeding viewers, but it's not exactly crushing it. And without spending a ton of time on this, um, that could affect budgets, that could affect long-term, but it's not one of those things where it's such a smash like The Walking Dead that they literally want them to make it forever. Um, This is a thing where the ratings are not big enough that they're going to want them to make it forever, per se. I know the budget's pretty high on the show, and uh, the people that are involved get a lot of money. Vince Gilligan does not come cheap. Uh, Bob Odenkirk and everybody that are linked to the show, the way that it's shot, the, the impressive things that they do, it's not a cheap show. So I don't know, ultimately, how long that AMC wants them to make this show. Show And maybe the prestige of it is enough for them to make it forever. But I'm thinking you're thinking about a five or six season show. Remember, Breaking Bad itself only ran for five uh, real season six if you count the divided final season. And I really
0: don't understand why AMC doesn't put Better Call Saul into the Walking Dead uh, time slot. I'm not sure why Into the Badlands is the priority. And if that is, why not wait for Into the Badlands to be over in a couple of weeks to start this season? This, uh, I don't really know. But perhaps uh, I was listening to the new uh, Alan Seppenwald TV Avalanche podcast recently, and they're talking about how all these shows are coming on in April because uh, this. This is prime time for getting nominated for Emmys, so maybe that factors into it. But it just seems to me that the Sunday night time slot speaks to prestige drama which I'm pretty sure is what this is supposed to be, right?
1: It is. It is. And I think you make a great observation about how why not just wait two weeks but I don't know. I think they're trying to launch the next Walking Dead. They tried it with Fear the Walking Dead. I think Into the Badlands, they hope, is one of those shows. And by that I mean a show that's a flagship show for them. Not a prestige show but a show that is going to pay for the prestige shows that they want to make. That's going to pay and get them the Emmy nominations which Better Call Saul does do. Uh, and keep their network with the reputation that it has of making really prestigious shows like Mad Men and like Breaking Bad. So I think that they see, as you're putting, they see Better Call Saul as more of the prestige show, and they see Into the Badlands and Walking Dead as these genre shows that are popcorn shows that people will tune in in larger numbers to watch. And I think maybe that's why they're trying to make Into the Badlands into something bigger than it is. That said, I don't think it's actually doing well in the ratings either, is it? That's the ultimate goal here, is that they're serving many masters as a network as well, and Initially, when AMC started doing these shows, they were AMC American movie classics. And so Mad Men, right. which HBO passed on, was a natural fit for them because it was like, oh, this is of a period with a lot of movies that will be showing anyway. So our natural audience for these movies is going to love this show. And I think that they have to they have to analyze these decisions now that they're much bigger as a network and they have this reputation for prestige TV. They have a lot of different things to do and a lot of different things in the balance. And I think that they're trying to serve a lot of those different. different things with how they plan these out and into the badlands is definitely no walking dead when it comes to the ratings, but you're right. It's in a better time slot than better call Saul
0: and in that better time slot it looks like from this past Sunday night with no Walking Dead lead in about a million and a half ratings which was like the ninth or 10th best on cable TV for the night so again uh, you know nothing to write home about it looks like that the Better Call Saul numbers are better on a Monday night than Into the Badlands on a Sunday night but I guess that it does sort of uh, it is more on brand with The Walking Dead in terms of action than this is.
1: That's not a good sign for them because their premiere they had 3.4 million viewers and 1.4 in the demo which is double across the board what better call Saul is doing and again that's your time slot that's with The Walking Dead there Uh, and so that doesn't necessarily bode well. AMC is in a difficult situation I think most people would agree and I don't want to make this a Walking Dead feedback show but I think most people would agree that you start to talk about diminishing returns when you get to a season seven season eight season nine of The Walking Dead it's it's a lot of stuff that's been dragged out or stuff that you you feel like they're maybe just not doing things or doing them a certain way because they need to keep making the show. And I'm sure AMC is desirous of another big hit, obviously. And it's not going to be Better Call Saul. It's not going to be into the badlands. The question is, how long are they happy with Better Call Saul being what it is? And is there a breaking point? And would that influence the writing decisions if they tell them, look, ratings aren't great. We can see maybe two or three more seasons. So if you want to do your time jump, now." the time. If you want to tell that post-Breaking Bad story, get into it. And I'll be curious to see if the Gus Fring and Breaking Bad part of this do increase the ratings for Better Call Saul. Are people going to be tuning in once they know that he's on the show?
0: And Vince Gilligan did say on Talking Saul that he felt like that there are episodes this season, that it feels like this is the 63rd episode of Breaking Bad. And I don't know how much pressure is being put on them by the network to like, hey, uh, when are you guys going to get to the Breaking Bad stuff? Because uh, that's what the viewers want. So I think that we are going to get to more of that. Also, just in my own watch of Breaking Bad, I don't know how it was for you, Antonio, but I really feel like that towards the end of season two was when it got great. And then once season three came along, that's when it got off the chain.
1: Season two itself is the slowest season of Breaking Bad, and it would probably be the season... That is most in line with a lot of what we see on Better Call Saul in terms of leg stretching and things that take longer to develop. That said, the end of season two is a walloping punch, and then we hit season three. We hit the ground really running, and it's just nonstop after that. Uh, the, I think season one is pretty action-packed, Rob. I think you're talking about multiple murders within the course of the first seven episodes there, six episodes. Uh, and you're talking about a lot of insane stuff breaking in that first quick season before the writer's strike shortened it. Uh, but, yeah, season two is a lot slower, and then season three really takes off. So I'll be curious, since season two is the timeline of when, when Saul Goodman enters the picture. Uh, we're still in the slower elements of Breaking Bad in season two there. Uh, if we find ourselves at the fastest part of Better Call Saul, it, which would be then the slowest part of Breaking Bad at the same time. That would be fascinating to me if that's the case. All this talk, Rob, Better Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad. Uh, we had a email uh, from Nadu from New York who said, please settle a dispute between my wife and I. I'm already worried, Rob. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. This is not what we're here You know, that's for, actually we'll the
0: best way that I end up working out all disputes with my wife. I email podcasts, and then they sort of settle everything. And then I say, honey, look, this is what they said on the podcast. And then that just holds up.
1: Yeah. Something tells me that Nicole loves that. She just loves it uh, when that happens. Yeah. Uh, So this email says, I've never seen Breaking Bad. I know a few minor details from media coverage, but not much. My wife has seen it and is vehemently opposed to my watching of Better Call Saul since I, quote, won't understand the Easter eggs and callbacks to Breaking Bad. I love Better Call Saul and have been watching since the beginning. Please play devil's advocate for someone who has and hasn't seen Breaking Bad and is watching Better Call Saul. My argument is that I'll have a better grasp of Breaking Bad since I know the origins of a lot of the characters from Better Call Saul. She's of the opinion that I would appreciate Better Call Saul more if I watch Breaking Bad. Hope this makes sense. Thanks, guys, for the podcast. Nadu from New York. What do you think, Rob? Where, where do you fall down on this? Do the people who have seen Breaking Bad appreciate Better Call Saul more? Or if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, are you going to appreciate it more because you watch Better Call Saul?
0: I mean, I think that there are certain things that are in this show that if you did not watch Breaking Bad, then they have no significance to you. Like, I think that there are moments where it's like a reveal and you say, oh, it's that guy from Breaking Bad. And it's like, but if you don't know who that person is, It's like, I I don't get it. So uh, I don't think it should stop anybody. If you don't want to watch Breaking Bad, I think you can enjoy the characters on this show without it. But I feel like that you are not getting the full experience if you did not see Breaking Bad.
1: It's difficult for me since I just watched both of them. I probably could have watched Better Call Saul first and then gone into Breaking Bad. I don't know why my brain didn't work that way, but I went and watched Breaking Bad first and then watched Better Call Saul. And I probably should have done it like the Godfather epic trilogy chrono- chronological edit way yes. or whatever and started with Better Call Saul and then worked my way into Breaking Bad hopefully someday Rob that will be a possibility and the two the timelines will connect in a meaningful and way. then you watch the Gene stuff and last then you watch the Gene stuff left absolutely yeah <laughs> that's what you'll do because it will be a full story with prologue uh, story and epilogue and that would be great uh we're not there yet and so I would say you mentioned these moments like oh there's so-and-so from Breaking Bad it literally happens at the end of the Better Call Saul pilot we immediately get into that uh We're doing it right away, and so I think that that is such a treat for people who have seen Breaking Bad to see Tuco more and to get more of that. When you see Hector Salamanca not in a wheelchair, walking around, talking and not ringing a bell, it is such a treat. I'm sure it's still great to see these people. Mark Margolis is a great actor to watch on the show regardless. But I do think by watching Breaking Bad, it's a much more rewarding experience on Better Call Saul. I'm just not sure. I think that there is some validity to the point that... Once you've seen all of Better Call Saul, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad will be a really cool experience for you. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. There are probably people in this audience and Rob, I think you're going to be one of them at some point where they've shown their kids the Star Wars movies and they have to make mm-hmm. that decision. Do I do I even let them know that Jar Jar Binks exists? Do I let them know that there are even prequels or do I just start with the prequels and say, watch them all?
0: Well, my son is three and a half, and he's old enough to watch that. Although we don't really watch the actual movies, that uh, if anything, we watch sort of like the Lego versions of all of them. But he doesn't really care about the prequel stuff. It's very confusing for him. Of okay, Obi Wan Kenobi is this old guy, and then and now no 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 now this is Obi Wan Kenobi. He it, it just the the two things he doesn't really understand aging yet.
1: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, he can't wrap his head
0: around. Wait, hold on. No, that's not Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan Kenobi is this wait, guy. So
1: that's Darth Vader. Why isn't he in the suit? Like it does it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, why is he a kid now? I don't like. He doesn't. Re- he doesn't really get the concept of the space time continuum. Yeah.
1: Not, I don't blame him. Like he's not. He's just not thinking. No, no. Th- no this is from
0: before. This happened before <laughs> the stuff that he's you he's not know.
1: thinking fourth dimensionally, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, he's, there's not. There's a he's not. problem not. So
0: maybe. I, so I need to wait. Uh, that I or I have to show him. Better call Saul first, and then he can watch Breaking Bad because he won't understand. Understand that no this is Jimmy before why is Mike alive again he won't really well, get I'll tell it. you
1: what I would love to hear from one of our great listeners Johnny Silvera, who I know went back after season two of Better Call Saul having not seen Breaking Bad and then fully watched and binged uh, and tweeted great observations about his first watch of Breaking Bad and he knew a lot uh, I think similar to Naidoo he knew who people were, he knew certain things from media coverage, but he didn't know the full blow-by-blow of the story. And so I would love to hear from any listener who had not seen, because I put out a request, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, I put out a request last year at the finale of our Better Call Saul coverage, go watch Breaking Bad and, and, and... treat yourself to that. And Johnny DeSilvera did that. I would love to hear now if that changes the Better Call Saul experience and how it changes it, if, if that is something that is more positive or negative. I feel like with this season of Better Call Saul, we're getting into a position now where watching Breaking Bad will really, really, really be more valuable. Uh, I think the first two seasons of Better Call Saul, there were those little Easter eggs and great moments. I feel like we're going to get into a ton of beefing out the story from Breaking Bad now in this season, if we're bringing Gus Fring into the story and we're telling a lot of his story, that's a mysterious character still from Breaking Bad. We don't know everything about him. I think that there's going to be so much more value in in having watched Breaking Bad and finding out the story that way. I really think that that reveal of what is going on with Gus Fring and answering those mysteries that already exist from Breaking Bad, they won't be as mysterious when we're filling them in in Better Call Saul. I think this season is going to be the, the one where watching Breaking Bad is going to really have mattered. And I I think people are very curious. I mean, we have a lot of people, even on this feedback show, asking about what's going to happen with Gene. Are we going to get Breaking Bad stuff? Uh, Mike Ramon wants to know about Lydia, who was one of Gus Fring's connections. And is she going to come into this story? I think that we're going to get more and more of that as we go forward with Better Call Saul. And I think at that point, it becomes not a zero-sum game. I think that you're going to have a lot more reward from having seen Breaking Bad.
0: Okay, Antonio. Well, very fun to go through all the feedback with you. Do you have a hashtag for this episode?
1: <laughs> I don't. Do you have one? I didn't, I didn't write anything down. I didn't write anything down.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think of something with into the badlands, into the breaking badlands. That's pretty good. Uh, That's pretty good. Okay. It's a lot. Right, a well, big
1: one, but yeah, if people want to use that, they can.
0: It's a lot there. Or they can just like tweet us and tell us that they uh enjoyed the feedback show. We always appreciate that. Antonio's on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro. I'm at Rob Sesternino. Now, Antonio, I know a lot of our post show recaps listeners are getting pumped up for the highly anticipated return of you're podcasting with Josh Wigler about The Leftovers. The
1: Leftovers. The ratings smash that is The Leftovers, Rob. Yeah, people are dying. I think all the, the viewers of The Leftovers are, are tweeting and messaging. We will be back covering The Leftovers season three, the final season, which premieres on Sunday night. I have seen critical praise of this final season that is unmatched of just about anything I've seen. So I'm very excited.
0: And you guys do a fantastic job on the podcast also. There are not a lot of Leftovers podcasts out there, and uh, probably not many are going to show up for this uh, final season. So I think that uh, this is now you and Josh back together, uh, another opportunity to shine.
1: Yeah, I think there were more. At some point, 2% of the Leftovers podcast departed, Rob, and I think that's a big, big <laughs> no, I think like
0: 92% <laughs> of them departed.
1: Well, we'll be back. We're going to try to record a quick preview of season three. Not spoiler. uh, There isn't much spoiler, but uh, we'll get into some of the things that we're looking forward to or hoping from a final season. You can also go back into our feed and and listen to Rob, you and I and Josh and AJ Mass recorded a season wrap-up of season two where we talked a lot about what we might want to see from a season three of The Leftovers, a final season of The Leftovers. Josh and I did the same thing with a feedback show in the final season of The Leftovers. Those are already up, but we'll do a quick preview before season three starts, and then we'll be back after season three uh, recording and covering each of the eight episodes of this final season, of The Leftovers.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I really love uh, The Leftovers. I had binged all of season one and then season two while it was still on. and I got done just in time to watch the finale. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, watching all of it live uh, with you guys uh, and hearing what you have to say. So be on the lookout for that all on postshowrecaps.com. You can subscribe to everything also as well at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. All right, Antonio. Looking forward to getting back together after this week's episode. If you guys have feedback questions about episode number two, send them in for our recap. We are just doing a feedback show for episode number one. We're on the Talking Saul schedule. So send those in as you watch the episode. bcs at postshowrecaps.com. You could send them to us on Twitter or leave them in the comments on postshowrecaps.com. And of course, voicemail us at postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. All right, Antonio, always a pleasure. Always a
1: pleasure, Rob. Thank you, everyone, for listening.
0: All right, take care, everybody. Bye.